Our chapter for today is Revelation chapter 4. There are few chapters in the Bible that present as much majesty to us as this one. I hope you've already read it for yourself uh, so that you can be better equipped to think carefully through it with me in this podcast. If you haven't read it, pause here. Go read it for yourself first. But chapter 4 begins the second of seven sections in Revelation. This section will run through the end of chapter 7. Again, it's not describing merely future things, but rather the section, um, as well as each section will, is giving us an account of things spanning the entire period of time between the first and second comings of Christ. Usually, each section will have at the end or near the end of of it uh, an account of the return of Christ and the final judgment. Chapter 4, as we said, begins the second section, and it is full of majestic imagery. It's important to note, however, that it is concerned to make one main overarching point. It is easy to get bogged down in the detail and the imagery and, and miss the one main overarching point. So let's consider the main point of this chapter. Uh, and the main point is the majesty and sovereignty of God over all things. So this chapter begins with a detailed description of a scene that John saw in his revelatory vision. Before we start fleshing out, to the best of my ability at least, what that what the various images of that scene represent, I want to point out that the first thing John sees while he was in the Spirit, he says in verse 2, was a throne a throne. Now, this throne is the focal point of the entire chapter. It becomes clear that this is the throne of God himself, per the songs that are sung around that throne in verses 8 and 11. This is the throne of God himself. And the main point of this chapter and this whole section is that the one who sits on on this throne rules over all that he has made. It begins by describing his majesty as part of the meaning of the jewels mentioned in verse 3. In verse 4, we're told that this throne is surrounded by 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders. Well, who are the 24 elders? In the vision, they likely represent the redeemed church of the Lord Jesus Christ of both the Old and the New Covenants. They represent the whole church of God. Uh, uh, from Old and New Covenant. So like the 12 tribes under the Old Covenant and the 12 apostles of the New Covenant. Uh, you And you can see that, explore that further in Revelation 21, verses 12 through 14. Why are these mentioned? Why are uh, they sitting on thrones around the throne of God? Not to highlight their majesty, but ultimately, again, to highlight the majesty of the Lord on, on His throne. They surround his throne in worship of him, verse 10. Well, after introducing the 24 elders, which represent the whole church of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, um, these 24 elders representing the church will reappear many times throughout the book. The vision turns again to the images of majesty of the Lord. In verse 5, the, the, the flashes of lightning and the rumblings and peals of thunder represent the authority of the Lord to judge the world. Though the mention of a a rainbow, interestingly, (laughs) around the throne of God in verse 3, which is definitely an allusion to the rainbow after the flood judgment in Genesis 9, 
that that image of a rainbow also gives assurance that God, for God's children, the storm is over, as Hendrickson would put it. Um, as the chapter proceeds, we're next introduced to the four living creatures at the end of verse six. We're gonna we can't go into too much detail regarding the imagery, but it appears that these four living creatures are cherubim around the throne of God. So the 24 elders represent the whole church of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Old Covenant, New Covenant. These four living creatures appear to be cherubim, um, angels, angelic creatures around the throne of God. Without trying to press the meaning of every single detail, for example, uh, notice that these uh, four living creatures are variously described as being like a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. And uh, how do we get from there to cherubim? Well, if you look at, if you turn back to Ezekiel's prophecy in Ezekiel chapter one, in Ezekiel one, there are also four living creatures given these same descriptions, lion, ox, man, and eagle. And there, and and in Ezekiel, in the book of Ezekiel, those four living creatures described in the same way are explicitly identified as being cherubim in Ezekiel ten twenty. So cherubim are glorious and high-ranking angels, angelic creatures in heaven. But their mention here is not meant again to hail their glory, but rather to emphasize even further the majestic glory of the Lord on His throne. It shows that. Even glorious creatures such as cherubim spend eternity around the throne of God, and day and night, it says in Revelation 4.8, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty uh, who was and is and is to come. The chapter ends with the four living creatures, that is the cherubim, and the 24 elders representing the, the redeemed church of the Lord, both Old and New Covenants joining in more worship and adoration of the Lord for his majesty and sovereignty in verses 10 and 11. Notice that in the song that the four living creatures and the 24 elders sing around the throne emphasize, in verses 10 and 11, emphasize the sovereign will of God over all things. For example, verse 11, For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. That is a crucial point. Um, William Hendrickson makes a great point when he says that this chapter does not merely give us a picture of heaven, but it rather describes the entire universe from the aspect of heaven. This is an important point because there will be descriptions of severe trials and tribulations in this section of Revelation, especially in chapter 6. And it is important to know at the outset, even when we come to those earthly trials and tribulation, it's important to know at the outset that everything that comes into our lives, even those trials and tribulations, come to us from the sovereign hand and will of God who sits on his majestic throne to rule and reign over all he has made. We need trials in our lives to humble us and to mature us and to grow us in the faith. Fortunately for the Christian, we can be assured that when they come into our lives, they come from God, per Revelation 4, and they have a good purpose behind them, according to Romans 8.28. That's just a few thoughts from Revelation chapter 4.